Any college speakers out there, people who want to speak at colleges, well, then this is the episode for you. In today's episode, you're going to hear how Natalie went from zero to 22 engagements in less than a year. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast, a podcast where we teach speakers how to land paid speaking engagements and corporate contracts. Each week, we deliver high-quality content that teaches you how to level up your speaking business. Be sure to join the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group after having your mind blown by this information-filled episode. Now, here's your host, Ashley Kirkwood, lawyer and professional speaker. This is the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. Hey guys, I have with us today Natalie Williams, professional college speaker. She's also done some some corporate engagements as well. Natalie, welcome to the Speak Your Way to Cash podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about this. Definitely. Thank you. Um, I am so excited to speak with you today and kind of hear about how you launched and started your speaking career and journey. So how did it all start? How did you get into the college speaking world? Um, so actually, I feel like I always tell people, speaking found me. And that's how I know it's like a part of my purpose and a part of my calling because it wasn't initially something that I sought out. Um, but once I had my first engagement, I realized like, oh my gosh, this is for me and I need to keep it going. So my first speaking engagement came from Central Michigan University, which is where I went for undergrad. And they had a freshman uh, orientation leadership program, and they had asked me to come back and to keynote it as an alum of the university. And they wanted me to talk about my um, previous college leadership, campus leadership experience there at CMU when I was a student. And then they also wanted me to talk about my experience that I had with meeting the cast of a different world, which was what my master's thesis at Illinois State University was based off of, and I had the opportunity as a surprise to meet the cast of A Different World on the Steve Harvey show. And when CMU heard about it, they were like, oh my gosh, you have to come back and keynote this program. And we want to see you mix both your old student leadership experience and your different world experience together. So I did that speaking engagement, keynoted in front of 300 people, and I had lines of students waiting to talk to me afterwards. And in that moment, I felt like the heavens had opened and God was telling me like, this is for you. And uh, that was one of my first engagements. And it was also my first paid engagement. And it was from the heart. And so that's when I knew that it's important for speakers to not go into it just for the money, but also go into it because you have a passion for it. The money is important, especially if you're going full time and you have to take care of yourself. But you definitely don't want that to be the only reason that you're going into speaking um, as a professional speaker. And for that being your first engagement, did you give them your speaking rate or did they just kind of tell you this is the budget that we have in mind? Can you accommodate it? Yeah, so they, they gave me the budget and then asked me to accommodate it. And here's the thing, like when you go somewhere for undergrad, a lot of times you have like this huge, you know, school spirit and love for the institution. So there were times previously where I, would, I had came back and helped out with some leadership stuff and did it just because I <laughs> I love Central Michigan University and never thought about ever getting paid from it. So when they asked me to come back, in my mind, I was going there under the premise that it was unpaid. And I was perfectly okay with that because I love the institution so much. So when they were like, oh, you know, uh, we need you to send us a W-9 form. I'm like, oh, shoot, (laughs) wait, they're paying me for this. And that's when I also realized that you can go into speaking as a profession. So it was uh, my first paid engagement. That's awesome. And about how many engagements are you doing now, now that you've kind of ramped up? 
Um, <laughs> let me see. I actually wrote down. Uh, I just wrapped up my spring speaking tour. So in the spring, let's see. So then about 12 this past spring semester, um, and probably comparably, probably about 10 in the fall. Uh, and the number is only the number is is, is pretty much only growing. Um, but because I am a doctoral student, I'm a full time doctoral student. So like in the seat going to class, and I also teach as well. So I teach at the collegiate level as an instructor. I actually teach a public speaking class, which is so funny. I love that, teaching that class. So uh, me speaking, it it has to marry with my current doctoral schedule. So I'm not able to go out there and do 40, you know, 40 engagements in one right. semester because I am a doctoral student and I have to keep great grades and I'm also doing research. However, my speaking career is a part of my career path, so I'm not willing to give that up. And so with me deciding to leave corporate and go back to school to get this PhD, I definitely prayed the prayer and was like, you know what, God, I know this is for me. So these things have to work together. And so far, They've worked together extremely well. So I mentioned that I did 12 engagements this past spring semester. So from January 2019 to uh, May 2019, 12 engagements, and I got straight A's this semester. And wow, congratulations. I was, um, thank you. I was hopping on a flight uh, sometimes three times, maybe four times a month uh, doing, these, doing these engagements and driving two hours to the nearest airport. And making it happen. So with speaking, it's definitely such a um, a specialized skill because a lot of people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of death. So when you can yeah. bypass that and get out there and and not only do public speaking but live it and breathe it and impact change and touch lives, that's when you know that you found something that's so special. And you're traveling, and I think you know it's 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 actually great that you do this in addition to doing. Um, your doctoral program because you're one of the first speakers that I've interviewed that have that don't do it close to full time. Um, and and by that I mean full time in terms of the time that you can afford to dedicate to it. So I just interviewed a speaker that did 90 engagements last year. That would not be possible yeah. with doing a doctoral program. <laughs> Um, so I wanted, yeah, yeah, because I, I think what, what I try to tell people, especially people in the Speak Your Way to Cash Facebook group is that speaking is not the majority of what I do. So you have the whole back end marketing sales, reaching out, booking engagement, sending out contracts, actually running the business in addition to the traveling and speaking and doing the, what I call the fun stuff. Um, so how do you manage that? Because most people who are listening are going to be doing it in the, in a part-time capacity or in a capacity where they have have another thing that takes up the majority of their day-to-day active lives. So how are you managing um, getting the engagements, booking the engagements, having the calls with clients with um, your day job? I'm stingy with my time. It's probably the best way to explain it. So I'm a little stingy with my time, but I also prioritize my time very well. And so when I say that I'm stingy, that means that I have to ask myself what's important, what what needs to get done, and then how much time do I need to dedicate to it. So not everything gets my time. And so when I prioritize my time, I definitely prioritize my family time, my prayer time, my friend time, uh, time for the business. I need time to grade assignments. I need time to lesson plan. I need time to do my reading for class, to do my papers, to uh, actually do my research with participants. And so I make a to-do list. 
And on that to-do list, I literally write down everything that needs to get done probably within the next week, two weeks, maybe a month out. And I begin to cross things off the list. And I also have two whiteboards in my apartment. And on those whiteboards, I write down, okay, my this is my speaking schedule for between from <laughs> January uh, 2019 all the way to um, the middle of 2020. And so I'm very intentional about organizing my schedule in a way that I still have time for self-care and I still have time to to be a human and to be a person. Yeah. So it's really important that you do hit up the conference market and the conference market is where you get in front of those decision makers. And so what I'll do is I'll make sure that I I know, you know, if I got a proposal accepted to a conference, make sure that I write that down. I know when the conference is. I know where the conference is. I've done my research to know where the nearest hotel is, where airport am I flying out of, are tickets bought, um, or if I've just booked an engagement with a client. I know there are a couple of things that go with each booked engagement. I need to make sure that I have an initial call with the client to understand what their needs are. Um, have a conversation about audience analysis. Who will I be speaking in front of? How many people? What's the demographic information? And am I going to do a workshop or something that I already have created? Or am I going to do something from scratch? Uh, what are they looking for? And then um, making sure that contracts are signed, W-9 forms are signed. So there's a list yeah. of, of, of generic things that will go with each engagement. So I'm already checking those things off to say with this client, these are the things that they that they need. These are the things that they they have to send to me and I have to send to them. And so those generic things to have kind of written down, it helps you um, it helps you just move a lot more smoothly. And also when you when you're dealing with clients, they don't want you to take twenty years to get back to them. They don't want a, a thirty hour phone call. They like things to be seamless, to not streamline. Yeah. And to be effective, they want you to be easy to work with. And when I have my clients tell me that I'm easy to work with, it's like me, you know, getting a pat on the back. And I appreciate that because as a business owner, I want, I want to make sure that I'm meeting the needs of my clients. And so just prioritizing my time very well. Uh, I have a planner. I use a physical planner. I also use my phone calendar. Um, And so those are the things that help me stay on track and stay focused. That that makes a lot of sense. And the other thing, um, I, I use Asana. So for anyone out there who's like, okay, what are the tools that I need? I think you listed some really good tools, physical planner, electronic planner. If you are um, working with someone else. So for those of you who like, I do this full time, I need help. I need someone else to run this with me. I need a VA. Asana is a great way to keep track of what your team is doing, what they have completed and things that you need to do. It's like an um, online checklist. So you can keep, you can actually have a project board for each client and make sure that they get the W-9, they get the contract, they get all of those things. I do a pre-event questionnaire. So that's something else you all can make sure that they get. But those are, those are some great things. So of the 22 engagements that you did last school year, um, do you know, or do you track how many came from you going to a conference in person? How many came from referrals and how many came from cold emailing? Yes. So I definitely uh, track those things and Oh, you can easily find that out from having a conversation with the client that, oh, you know, I'm super interested and well, I'm super excited about this event. You know, how did you hear about me as a speaker? Or if it's somebody that I've already interacted with at a conference, once we do have that communication, I know where that lead came from. Okay. And of those 22, what is is the are the majority of your engagements coming from going to those in-person conferences or are they from referrals or cold emailing? 
majority of them are from conferences. I would say maybe 70% were from conferences and maybe 30% were from referrals. Cool. Cool. And so do you do any cold emailing or no? Because I know everyone does this differently. Yeah, I definitely do uh, cold emailing. However, I am still... I'm, I'm Okay, so I, yes, I do cold emailing. However, I found that there's so much more uh, success when you are able to at least have some type of physical interaction with a potential client. Yeah. Like cold emailing is cool, but I've seen the power of me being able to to start up a conversation with a potential client if it is before my session starts or if it is some type of like social time, like that plays a huge role because they get to learn a little bit more about you and it becomes personable instead of just, okay, I get all of these emails from speakers all the time as a cold email. Cold emailing is good. I'm not saying that it's bad, but I'm saying that there's a lot of power as well in getting that face-to-face interaction. Yeah, and I think that's true. And it's also an easier sale. So if they already like you, they've heard you speak, then you're just saying like, hey, we met at Conference X. I'd love to hop on the call with you. That's an easier email to send than hi, I'm a new um, APCA member. I'd love to talk to you a little bit. And APCA, you guys, we've heard you've heard that on this podcast before. It's essentially a collegiate, it's like a network of people who do student events. So there are those organizations, APCA, NACA, a lot of those organizations host their own conferences. And then when we spoke to Odell, we heard about the trio conferences that he goes to and highly recommends. What are some of the conferences that you recommend, Natalie? Sure. So I um, I definitely recommend the National Conference on Student Leadership. Uh, that's a big one, one of the biggest student leadership conferences in the nation. Uh, I recommend the Southwestern Black Student Leadership Conference, which is the largest student-run Black student leadership conference in the nation. I recommend Big 12, which is the largest student-run Black student government student leadership conference in the nation. Um, And what's it called, Big 12? Big 12. Big 12. Big 12, almost like the athletic conference. Nice. So those are just some some more popular conferences. Uh, I highly recommend trio conferences as well. Uh, so much like Odell said, that's a great way to get in front of decision makers. And as a speaker, your goal is how can I get in front of as many decision makers as possible because it allows you to get more bang for your buck, more bang for your time when traveling out to these events. And so though those are some of the more popular conferences, there are also... Uh, conferences that schools may put on. And one of the things that I've also learned is that some schools will pull together to do like a tri-state or a regional conference. And so for speakers, I highly recommend that they spend time and do what's called R&D. R&D stands for research and development. That allows you to figure out what are some common conferences that I can go and And so, yes, you may do some R&D today and then you may realize like, oh, man, I just missed the conference that was in February. But now, you know, for February of 2020, that this conference should be on your radar. And so for R&D, you should literally have a long list of conferences that you know that you can bring some fire at as a speaker and you can kind of mentally and, and physically prepare yourself to then um, allow those conferences to be on your upcoming speaking schedule. And then you can also see, well, who are some of the 
uh, previous speakers they've had at this conference as well. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And then also make sure you all don't forget about the fraternity. So the professional fraternities also have their own conferences and schedules and they get pretty nuanced. So the business frats have their own conferences. The Greek organizations have their own conferences. And then the law, um, undergraduate law, pre-law organizations have their own fraternal conferences as well. So those are some other good ones to go to. Um, And I speak at a pre-law conference uh, every year. So those are also some good niched conferences to look into. And, um, and, and they'll help you out. They'll help you to become a better speaker. I think the more you speak, at least in my experience, I am never uncomfortable on stage. And I think it's because I've been on so many stages that it just does not, it doesn't make me uncomfortable. And if you're just getting started, you may want to go and watch how other speakers move at these conferences so that you can make the most out of them. Absolutely. And it's really important to uh, know your audience. But and, and here's the, the 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 interesting part as a professional speaker, especially for me, like I don't segment my audience. Like I I don't want to pigeonhole myself when it comes to an audience. Like I'll only um I'll only speak at uh this type of leadership conference. So I've done um I've done black leadership conferences. I've done just general leadership conferences. I've done first year experience leadership conferences. Um, I annually, sometimes something like twice a year, I do uh, Black Greek leadership. So with me being a part of a sorority, that gives me a, uh, a foot in to be able to mix up my regular leadership talks with Black Greek leadership talks. And so uh, being able to speak in front of different audiences is important. Now, you do want to make sure you know who your audience members are and you want to feel comfortable with it. Um, but you also want to be able to know where your audience members are and be able to to meet them there event-wise. That makes a lot of sense. And what type of preparation do you do before getting on these stages or speaking at these conferences? Uh, make sure I know my material backwards and forwards. Make sure I know what slide is coming next. And um, I I have my own little tricks up my sleeve that works for me. If, like if you saw me speak, you would have no idea that those tricks are being acted out. And those tricks include uh, based off of like the background on my slide, I know if I am just making a statement or if I'm going to ask my audience a question. Mm, that's a really cool one. So based, based on the color? Uh, yeah, so based off the color of the background. And so I, all of my slides are branded and all of my slides uh, are pretty jazzy. I use Canva. And based off of the type of background that I put in that one particular slide, uh, that lets me know like, okay, Nat, you're about to ask them a question or Nat, this is actually going to be a statement. I like that. I like that a lot. That's really cool. Uh, I intentionally don't keep a lot of words on my slide. Because people can read quicker than you can talk. And it's also an insult to, to read, read something to somebody as if they haven't already just read it quickly. Um, so those are some, some tips that I would definitely recommend. I feel like you just asked me another question. I don't know if I gave no, no, that was perfect. I am wondering though, because I, there are different, different people have different um, opinions about using PowerPoint. I personally don't use them for talks less than 15 minutes, but 
So if I'm doing right. like a quick keynote or even for my TEDx, I didn't use a PowerPoint. Some other uh, TEDx speakers did. I personally don't for quick talks. Now, I know that if it's a longer... So I, I have a two-hour workshop coming up on Friday. I'm using PowerPoints. There's no way. Like, it's just two hours. It's a lot of detailed information and nuance. Do you have any tips for how to use PowerPoints effectively? Because I've seen it done really well. And then I've seen it done where it's like this you know, this isn't good. Like don't use a PowerPoint next time. So what do you, how have you been able to do it well? And I heard you say you don't put a lot of text on there. That's awesome. I love the tip about color. Anything else that you've learned about using PowerPoints well? And have you had any like tech issues where you've needed to, you know, pivot quickly instead of using a PowerPoint? Yeah. So here's the thing about PowerPoint. It should supplement your presentation. It should never carry your presentation. And so you want to definitely make sure that you know your presentation backwards and forwards. And I was actually part of the question you asked me before about preparation. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure that you know your presentation backwards and forwards because God forbid, what if you get there and the tech is completely shot and they don't have time to move you to another room? Like you, you can't just tell the client, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like, no, you still have to be able to maneuver around that and be flexible. So you never want to solely depend on the PowerPoint, which is why it's important that when you speak on a topic, you don't want it to be just a topic that you know, but it's a topic that you lived. So mm-hmm. if I wanted to ask you a question about some like legal jargon, you, you probably would, you know, spit those things out like, it's nobody's business because you've been to law school. But if I was to ask you about a passion project that you have, whether you have PowerPoint or not, you can still flow and you can still go. Um, and so with using PowerPoint, I I don't recommend a lot of text and I use it. I, I have like a lot of pictures on there for emphasis purposes or to um, if I want to do like a meme or something as like maybe a reaction that I would say like the audience may have to something that I've said. So I use PowerPoint as a supplement, not for uh, not for it to carry the presentation. And then also with PowerPoint, most of my uh, presentations or keynotes are set up in a way where they are longer. So the PowerPoint makes sense. So if it's right. a ceremonial engagement, like I am speaking at a graduation or a multicultural graduation, I definitely won't use PowerPoint because it doesn't fit the the type of event that I'm speaking at. I think PowerPoint is good. Um, however, I use Canva. I use Canva to design my slides and then I convert that over to PowerPoint. So when you see the presentation, it doesn't look like a regular PowerPoint at all because of the functionalities that I've installed on it. So you don't want your PowerPoint to just be white and black. Yeah. Because then it's like, they they put any type of, of attempt to spruce this up. So you want it to look professional. And so it's important that you, you use some, some graphic design um, tools out there to help spruce up your PowerPoint. And then another thing that you asked about are tech issues. Yes, I have had um, tech issues when I've gotten to a venue. However, uh, one of my mentors, and I always sing his praises, uh, Rashid Ali Cromwell, he always you know, has taught me, listen, make sure you have that presentation saved in 50 different places. So before I speak anywhere, that presentation is on my computer, it's in my email, it's also on a uh, a thumb drive as well. And I bring all of those things with me. So if I get to the venue and uh, their computer is not working, I tell them that's perfectly fine. I brought my own. And I also have brought the converter cord for a projector. That's super important as a speaker because a lot of speakers use a Mac. I use yeah. a Mac. However, most projectors are normally built for um, 
PC like Adele, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, HP, those type of computers. So it's super important that you not only bring your own converter cords, but you bring multiple of those. So for my converter cords, I have two of each one that travels with me. For my clicker, it's so important. If you're going to go into speaking, you have to have a clicker because you never want to be tied down to having to literally press the the arrows on your computer. So with my clicker, I bring backup batteries. I bring a backup clicker just in case. So you want to try and prepare for whatever those tech issues are. You want to find a way around it. If you have a video in your slide, be prepared to speak if that video can't play. There was one time where I think they couldn't get the audio to work and they were like, oh my gosh, we're so sorry. I'm like, nope, it's perfectly fine. Uh, Let the video play. Played the video and I talked through the video and didn't miss the beat. And in my Q&A session, one of the students was like, oh my gosh, like you kept going like nothing was wrong with it. And I told them, you know, that represents life. Like I kind of, you know, flipped it around as a speaker. And I'm like, that represents life. When something happens that you you probably didn't expect you have to keep going and I told them what's more important is me engaging with you all not me trying to stop this presentation to make sure that the video plays no that's awesome and this is really good because we haven't done a lot of talking about um, on this podcast the tools used to the things you need to bring with you as a speaker and some of the tools that you use to create beautiful PowerPoints. So we heard about Canva. We heard bring all of your own stuff. Um, we heard that she does. Um, Natalie said that she does a call with the client beforehand. I think that is awesome. So typically for our process, we do an introductory call. Like that will be our first call, like the sales call. If I'm doing a cold email and I hop on the But the pre-event questionnaire is going to be what actually will bring... It, it'll tell me what they plan to have at the venue, but I love that you bring your own stuff. One thing I want to say, this is very random, but I just did a keynote this past weekend and my shoe broke, my heel broke um, like 10 minutes before I had to speak. Luckily, the venue was like 15 minutes from my house and my husband bought me some additional shoes. That normally would never happen. Most of my engagements are outside of Chicago. So I would say for ladies and maybe even for gentlemen, even though I haven't heard of gentlemen having heel issues, but whatever, bring a, a spare pair of shoes. <laughs> if like weird things can happen and you should just always be prepared with a go bag, whatever you need in your bag to be successful, have a duplicate. If you're going to eat before you speak and your shirt is white, you should have another shirt. Like things can and probably will go wrong the more engagements that you do. So you should just be prepared for that. So I really appreciate those tips, Natalie. Those are awesome. Thank you. And I also want to add to that, bring when you pack your bags to go speak, especially like I do, a, most of my engagements are out of town. Um, I take multiple outfits. I take multiple outfits for that one engagement. So I'll probably take about three different outfits uh, when I go, just in case anything happens. Um, I want to make sure that I'm prepared. It was one time I got to my hotel and sometimes, you know, when we're getting dressed, we, th- we had the outfit built in our head and I put it on and I did not like how it looked. Yeah, And I was able to switch some things out and I always get to my venues at least an hour ahead of time. And because of that, I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can run to the mall real quick and, you know, get a new blazer or something. And I had the time because I had got dressed super early. I probably get dressed. I probably start the getting ready process about three hours before I want to make it to the venue. That way, if anything happens, I can maybe go out and you know, get a new blazer if need be or whatever I need to do in that time, I make sure that I start the preparation process early. Uh, So it it helps me calm my nerves down too before I speak. 
I love that. I really like that. Um, one of the things I wanted to kind of loop back to is you mentioned that 70% of your engagements come from these conferences that you go to and you gave us some names of those. You also said that 30% comes from referral or repeat business. How, um, how does that happen? Do you have a specific way in which you ask to be booked again for next year? Do you give them a discount if they book you again for next year within a week of the event? How do you kind of ensure that repeat or referral business? Are you asking for it or is it happening, happening organically? Uh, some of them def- definitely happen organically because the conferences happen every year. So there's normally a new group of students that come in. So yeah, it is one of those things where it makes perfect sense for the conference and it makes perfect sense for me and we work very well together. So to repeat the business, it does, it definitely makes sense. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. What would you recommend to a speaker who is just getting started, who maybe can't afford to go to the conferences because I was speaking with um, another speaker and we were talking about how much we spend on going to these conferences and it easily gets into the tens of thousands of dollars when you're just going. Um, And you don't always get paid to keynote at these conferences. It's rare. It does happen, but it's kind of rare. So traditionally you're going, you're doing a breakout session or a keynote and you are paying to get there. They're not necessarily reimbursing you for that. So what would you recommend to the speaker who wants to start up on a budget? Absolutely. I always say if you're going to go into speaking, go into it with the mind with the mindset that you are you're go, like you're a rapper. Like go into it like you are a rapper. And rappers don't normally just become international overnight. They start with and they start locally. Then they take over their state. Then they take over their region. Then they take over you know a couple of regions put together. Then they take over the country and then they go international. And so if you're starting out as a speaker and you're like, but I don't have the money or the means to spend all of this on going to conferences, find some conferences that are maybe an hour away where you literally lose nothing, but maybe $40, $45 in gas just going to the conference and coming back. And because it's so such a short distance, you don't have to get a hotel. So don't let the, the lack of financial resources initially stop you from going to conferences. And that's why, again, research and development is so important because there may be a conference that's happening that is 30 minutes away. And so with a lot of these conferences, sometimes they may rotate um, different areas. If it is a, um, if a school, if schools are coming together for a conference, one day it may be, well, one year it may be at school A, the next year it may be at school B, third year it's at school C. But if you live right down the street from school B, then that's your perfect opportunity. So that's why research and development is so important because you are learning what opportunities are around you. And once you learn about the opportunity, you also know how to better prepare yourself to take advantage of it. Yep, I totally agree. That's great advice. That's great advice. And what was the ramp up time for you? So how did how long did it take you to go from, I've never been to any of these conferences, I've only been paid to speak once to 22 engagements a year paid? Uh, it happened quickly. <laughs> I won't, I won't lie. It happened quickly. Um, I would say, let's see, let me do the math in my head real quick. Uh, less than a calendar year. And so that was, okay. So when you went to the conference and you were being booked pretty quickly after those conferences to speak. Yes. That's good to yeah, know. So less, than calendar, less than a calendar year for me to start seeing bookings from my um, to start seeing bookings from 
me hitting the conference market. Absolutely. Um, and then I would say maybe like a year and a couple months after that first engagement um, that I see things just literally rolling in. Awesome. That's really good to know. And, you know, one of the things that I love about talking to you and other speakers is everyone has different formulas for getting their business off the ground and for getting these engagements. So you all have heard from people who do want, they get 100% of their engagements from referrals. If you listen to the episode with Matt Ham, so he gets 100% of his engagements from referrals. He doesn't do any outbound cold emailing. You heard from Odell and I, we both do cold emailing and we get engagements from that. Natalie does a lot of the engagements, gets a lot of her engagements from conferences. So if you took just a couple of different strategies from two different speakers and you could get 20 engagements from the conference market and then you were able to get 10 or 15 from cold emailing, you would see your calendar ramp up and it is about a year um, that you're going to be looking to see the fruits of that labor. So you want to make sure that you figure out how you like to get engagements, how you like to market, and then stick with that. Because if you like it, it won't be so laborious that you won't do it or you'll dread it or you'll drop the ball on it. And if you hate it, you have to do it. So you need to find someone who likes it and maybe hire them to help you to do some of the R&D work so that you're not starting 100% from scratch. But um, Natalie, that's super, that's, that's very, very important. I like that you said that. And I also love that you you speak all the time because you're also a teacher. So how did you get better in terms of your speaking style? Was that kind of organically or do you practice that? Did you take any courses that were helpful? How did you ramp up your actual technical speaking skills? Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah. So it honestly, it came from teaching has been amazing. Like this would be my, in the fall, actually in this summer, this summer, I'm teaching this summer too. It'll be my 11th time teaching a public speaking class at the collegiate level. So that is like my, that's my cheat code. That's my cheat code because if I can hold the attention of an, of an audience of like 20 to 25 students for an hour or an hour and 15 minutes, then I can, I can, translate some of those same skills over to my um my speaking engagements and so I'm very intentional like if I know if I want to make my audience members laugh or my students laugh I know kind of what to say um so I it also taught me how to engage with my audience how to maybe have them break off and do some small group stuff or if I want to do a large group conversation how do I make my audience members feel comfortable and feel like they know me uh so me me teaching at the collegiate level is honestly my cheat sheet to public speaking. So my freshman year of undergrad, I took the highest level public speaking class that Central Michigan University offered. Not because I I was trying to, you know, be Martin Luther King as a public speaker, but because it actually double counted for my major and it double counted for uh, a general, a gen ed requirement that I needed to take. And in that class, I did really well. I was with juniors or some seniors in that class and I rocked it out. And so that taught me that, okay, I I can speak in front of people, but me having that teaching background has literally refined my public speaking skills to the point that me doing public speaking, it comes naturally and it's very fluid for me. So not everyone has the opportunity to be an instructor. So I recommend that they do have some fixture in their lives that allows them to refine their public speaking skills because if you know if you don't if you don't use it, you lose it. And so whether that is joining Toastmasters or a speaking organization in their community, whether that is 
uh, being in a leadership role with maybe their fraternity or sorority chapter, and they have the opportunity to lead those chapter meetings. And so now they're getting that public speaking skill set refined on a constant basis. But you want to do something that helps you sharpen your skills and sharpen your tools as a speaker. That's perfect. That's great advice. So this has been so helpful. So awesome. So many gems were dropped. How can the Speak Your Way to Cash community find you, Natalie? Where can we find you online and on Instagram? They can definitely find me on um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, yeah, but Instagram and Twitter is definitely an easy way to contact me. So it's at NatWillSpeak, uh, which is, it's kind of like a, a, it's a play on um, telling me to speak. And then also speaking being a command that's given to me to actually do it. So at NatWillSpeak on social media. And then the email is contact at NatWillSpeak. Um, .com. And one thing that I definitely wanted to mention, because last time you and I talked, um, I mentioned the speaker, the speaker's boot camp that I had the opportunity to attend very early on in my speaking career, which was like a pivotal launching pad for me to not only watch awesome speakers and to see like whose speaking style I matched with, which was also kind of like a, a reassuring type of thing that taught me that you don't have, everybody doesn't have to be Eric Thomas that speaks with that level of aggression because that doesn't come natural to everyone. Some people may be, you know, a little bit more calmer in how they present and that's okay. Um, and it, it taught me the business side and it taught me the do's and don'ts and how do you prepare for if XYZ happens, how do you get around it? And you really just got to learn some wisdom from speakers that have been doing it for a while um, Rashid Ali Cromwell, he'll be doing the speakers boot camp again, uh, January 2020. And so if you if any of your listeners are interested in the speakers boot camp and more information, um, as the event, um, releases all the information, that information, they are more than welcome to reach out to me. Um, okay, cool. I can't, I can't sing those phrases enough. Like that literally taught me a lot of what we're talking about. It taught me that on a deeper level. Um, at the beginning of my speaking career, which is why I believe that I was able to make so many strides and watch my business turn a profit in less than a calendar year because I was able to uh, I was able to learn those things very early on. So if they're interested in the speakers bootcamp, they can definitely reach out to me and it'll be in January 2020. Awesome. That's good to know. And I always like to hear like what resources people use to get started. I um, knew I wanted to do some college speaking. So I took Errol Moody's True Speaking Success course and it's online. It's always available. It's awesome. It is. I highly recommend it. He's great. Um, and it, you can take it at your own pace. So I do recommend that. And I think I think that that when you everyone that I've spoken with, for the most part, a lot of people have taken someone's advice or coaching or tutelage in order to get to that next level where they're consistently getting booked and paid to speak. So that's that's cool. So I appreciate that resource. And you all can reach out to Natalie to learn more about that. Um, Natalie, thank you again for joining us. You guys, thank you again for listening. I hope you take all of these gems and implement them in your speaking businesses so that y'all can start speaking your way to cash. All right, guys, did Natalie drop some awesome, awesome gems? If you're in the Chicago or Atlanta area, I hope you'll meet me in person. I'm hosting an in-person speakers intensive and it'll be for people who are looking to book more paid speaking engagement. So if you are sitting at home listening to my podcast and you think you can speak your way to cash, then come to this intensive. We will give you all the tools you need to start speaking your way to cash.